to the fact that, hey everybody, this is Harriet Kimmerick with Down to Earth. Thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning on this special, very special edition of Down to Earth. I must say that this is that morning. It's Friday. It's the 27th of March, 2020. And I feel, I almost feel as if I'm in the twilight zone. Anybody else getting that feeling uh, after we've been off for so long from work and so on, I'm beginning to feel a little bit like the twilight zone. How are you all doing? So I want to talk this morning about uh, how uh, the class of 2020 who have worked for four years, well, literally all of their lives, if you if you look at it, all of their lives to uh, to graduate college. And yet a coronavirus, a virus comes in and eats up every available job opportunity. There was a story on the New York Times that caught my interest. And when I read it, I couldn't help but feel a great deal of empathy for, 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 for these children, for these young people. Bright and optimistic, you went into school and, and so on, and now here you are, four years later, and you can't graduate. You can't even walk across the stage. You can't even go to commencement. Your family won't be able to see you after all the hard work that you have put in. And even for that, you could always say that that is just emotional. But what about, what about for the, the, what about the part of it that after this is over, you're still going to get a call and get notification from student loans that you owe student loans. Uh, What about that? How do you pay for the student loans that are going to be due? And how do you deal with the fact that we really don't have any control over this? Just this morning. We all woke up to realize that the United Kingdom's Prime Minister has tested positive for the coronavirus. And you're looking at it like our leaders are playing politics. Meanwhile, people's lives are at risk. We have a serious situation right here in the city of Detroit that has now become the epicenter, the American epicenter of the coronavirus. I've said this over and over again. Wherever there is poverty, there are always issues. Detroit is the poorest large city in the United States. Most of our population do not have access to running water, do not have access to secure housing, definitely don't have access to health care. Therefore, it's a petri dish. It's a disaster waiting to happen. Both sides of the aisle, both Democrats and Republicans are responsible for why Detroit is this way. Detroit has traditionally voted Democrat every time except in the 2016 elections when Uh, what's his name? Trump won by 10,000 votes. So prior to that, it was always Democrats. So why is Detroit consistently poor? If Detroiters vote Democrat and there have been more Democratic presidents and Democratic leadership in the state, then you got to ask yourself, there must be a bigger issue here. This is now what you call implicit bias. Do you see what I'm saying? So now we have a situation similar to what was happening in Washington state, in King County, Washington state, wherever there is poverty. So most people in Detroit, people in Detroit who don't have secure housing, do you know what that means? Secure housing means they are homeless and they're going from house to house. It also means they're living in unsafe conditions. That means they have uh, no running water, no electricity, so they don't have utilities at all. It also means garbage is probably piled up. That the house is not safe for human habitation. Coupled with that are pre-existing conditions because where there is poverty, guess what? Detroit is known as a food desert. 
that means there are not enough spaces where people can buy fresh fruit and vegetables because people are poor they don't have transportation to drive to spaces where they can buy fresh fruit and vegetables so people are walking to the grocery store imagine walking home with your groceries and most of you are going to say well i live in new york city and i live in a high rise so you know, that's it's not the same at least you have the option of even having money uh, recently I heard a story about somebody who spent their last dollar to go and buy groceries and took the bus to go buy groceries but when they got there the shelves were empty. Can you imagine how despondent that person feels? When the governor ordered the shutdown of everything including the public schools, what eventually happened was they had to make special consideration for students who are on uh, free lunch or on school lunch and breakfast, the breakfast and lunch program. Right? That meant they had to make space. And I know most of you are like, well, you know how we human beings are. Well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm in a better position and so on. Let me tell you something. This is the greatest leveler that we're going to see in our lifetime. Trust me on this, okay? Right now, Henry Ford Health System has issued a directive that says if somebody goes into the hospital and is experiencing symptoms of, of uh, COVID-19, they're going to evaluate you based on your possible longevity. So if you have the chance to recover, you're probably going to get treated. But if someone who has underlying health conditions, or if you're older, they're not going to help you. They're going, what resources they have, they're going to save for only those who can recover. So I'm begging you all, try not to get sick. If you don't go out, Try not to go out. Whatever food you have in your house, try to stretch that and make it live. Don't go out. Don't go to the drive-thru. Don't say, man, I'm so bored. I'm tired of being bored. I'm just going to go out. If you go out, get in your car and drive and then go back home. Don't touch anything. Don't go to the drive-thru. Don't go to the bank. Don't do nothing until we have flattened the curve. And I, I feel like we're still our ways out from flattening the curve. Uh, we, we still haven't reached the epic, set, the epic portion of it. We haven't reached that portion, that deep portion yet. We haven't reached there. We still have, we are several weeks up. We have maybe two or three more weeks before it becomes crisis. Right now, we're just at the beginning of it. Like we're paying attention and marshalling resources. We still have some ways to go before this really becomes what it was designed to do. Now, whoever created this virus and sent this virus to, 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 to America, they're gonna pay for it. Somebody, somewhere, because this is not just going to go away like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is watching and it is going to be revealed who did this. Because this is not something that just happened. This is a plague, y'all. And it, it, it is, we're finding that it is attacking the most vulnerable. Every time something happens, it always attacks the most vulnerable. So I'm going to ask you right where you are, what you can do is take care of yourself. Make sure that you batten your resources. Don't have friends and family over. FaceTime people. They want to see you do a Facebook Live. They want to talk to you, call them on the phone. Right? We can all do uh, group chats. And we can all do, and you do know you can do FaceTime group FaceTime. So you can have everybody in. Right? You can do a live Twitter feed if you want to connect with your friends. You can make it a private group and just invite just the people you want. So if you want to talk to your friends at work whom you missed and your coworkers, you can also do that. You can create a, 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 an account on Zoom. People are doing that a lot or go Instagram live or something. But for the love of God, don't congregate. 
people don't have people show up at your house, right? Keep your resources for just yourself, but more importantly, is to put a barrier and a shield around you so that you do not become even more exposed. Because let's say all of us have been exposed to this. Then the job is now on our immune system to fight this. How strong is your immune system? That's what it's basically going to come down to. I'm looking, I'm, I'm going to, I kid you not, I, I was scrolling through my Facebook timeline, which I rarely do before my show starts. But something made me go to it. I was going to post and invite people to come to the show. Instead, I find myself scrolling. I saw too many RIPs. It, it, it hit home. And then I saw so many people whom I know who are having, who have been tested and are ill. Do you see what I mean, folks? So this is real and it doesn't matter. And a lot of the folks who I see are dying it's a mixture. There are young people in their 40s and 30s and, and people who are parent, you know, parents and grandparents. So I'm saying to all of us, this is a time to batten the hatches down. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And I'm going to pray and believe God for all of us. Believe me, I am not idle sitting on myself, not doing anything. I am working and I am praying. Believe me, I spend, uh, can you see my eyes? I have bags under my eyes. I'm not sleeping at nights because the situation has come over me. It has come up before me. Our humanity, our desperate need for God has come up before me and I can't sleep. I'm thinking of all the people who are in unsafe spaces, people who don't have shelter, people who don't have food, people who don't have transportation to go get food, people who are feeling panicked, People who show up at the emergency rooms and who are ill and are turned away because the emergency room is deeming them, well, you look survivable. You look like you're not going to make it anyway, so go home with your family to spread the virus to your family. We don't have enough resources. If you're not important enough, they're not going to admit you to the hospital. If you, they're not, because you can't call someone and beg them to see you. Do you see what I'm saying, my friends? This is not a time for jokes. So believe me when I tell you, half of my nights, more than half of my nights. If I fall asleep, I sleep for two hours and then I wake up and I'm praying. I'm thinking, oh my God, help us. And I'm thinking of all of you. Uh, I might have told you the story I saw on, my, uh, on the news where a five-year-old uh, got it, but now somebody's baby was born with it. A newborn baby has it. So when you think of stuff like that, you've got to realize that this is crossing all borders. And, and here's the thing to think about. If, if it happens in Detroit, there are two other cities in Michigan where there is a concentration of poor people that are equally at risk. You know where the, and the black poor people I'm talking about particularly? Flint, Saginaw, Grand and GR and, and South Lansing. Am I not correct? So look for it to matriculate into those areas. Then there are other parts of Michigan that are poor. The UP, right? Outside of Traverse City, one of the wealthiest areas now in the country, there are parts of Michigan, Western Michigan, where it's just farmland, where people are remote, where people don't go in for healthcare testing. And here is the thing, if you know that you have an underlying health condition, if you know that you, are, you have heart disease, if you know that you have lung disease, my goodness, you know that you need to keep yourself safe. Because again, 
if, if you're under 40, if you're under 50 and you go into the healthcare system, they will, they will help you. But if you're over 55 and over 60 and you are sick, you find yourself with this disease and symptoms of this disease and you're going to the healthcare system, they're probably going to say time out for you, dude. You've lived. Oh, you have children. Oh, so you have lived already. Oh, okay. Well, uh, if you survive, you survive. We're going to concentrate on people in their thirties and forties. It's a matter it's a matter of, it is what it is. It's longevity and it's life. It's sad that here in the United States, we have to make those decisions and come to that. It's something we ever, never, ever thought was possible, but this is a jolt and a reality check for us to, for us to realize we're not as invincible as we thought we were. We're not as great as we thought we were. We had, this exposes the holes and the, 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 the parts of our society that really need fine tuning that we never thought happened, but they were always there because we brushed it onto the carpet. Because as much as we can continue to live the lifestyles that we are accustomed to, well, we really didn't care about anybody else. That's their problem, let them figure that out. But right now, this virus does not care. It, do, it crosses barriers. If you get it, you get it. You see what I mean? If you get it, you're going to get it. And that's it. And if you get it, God help you. Because it is going to take, it is going to take, it is going to take, right? So when you look at it, it has already in a massive way taken the hopes and dreams of the class of 2020. The class of 2020, college graduates and high school graduates, for high school graduates, at least they can look forward to maybe in four years, this will pass, right? The recession will pass by the time they graduate, the high school graduating class of 2020, maybe by the time they graduate from college, they will have a chance at work. But for the college graduating class, for those who graduated college, the four-year degrees, for those who took an advanced degree, whether it was an MBA, for those who took a law degree, and for those those who are probably still going on to medicine are like, I'm so glad it's not my year to graduate, but at least they have a job because we need more doctors, right? And physicians, assistants, and nurse practitioners, and so on. But think about for the majority of folks, the graduating class of 2020 from college, they have nothing to look forward to. They've graduated and have to go back home with their college degrees and have no hope for a job for the foreseeable future. They're not gonna get it. We're not gonna emerge out of this like magically. It's going to happen in September or October. No, we're going to be in this field for a while on this wheel for a while of joblessness and a sack sad economy this economy is sad right and so these folks is it fair to them no we're all in this together however so for those of us who are parents and you have children coming home from college be kind to them don't, you know don't tell them well you're home now so you have to start paying rent what, what what are they gonna do to pay rent you don't want your child going to shack up with somebody and go live with someone and then end up getting sick and delusional you don't need that be kind and understand that this is a situation that neither you nor they planned for. And there are some college kids who have no home to go home to. They were coming from disastrously poverty situations already, disadvantaged situations already. So they don't have any hope where to go home to. Uh, the college degree was going to be the hope to help get them out of that cycle of poverty, in generational cycle of poverty. Now here they are. Right? It's making us redefine what we thought was poverty, isn't it? 
because now we really have to look at people as people and not look at people as waste and not look at people as disposable items on a graph that we could move around. I hope the people who are city planners in Detroit are listening because they missed the boat big time. Because we can't say you elected a Republican mayor over a city of blacks. This man has been in power for four years. And as much as I respect Mayor Dugan, he hasn't done anything to move the needle for blacks in Detroit. The poverty levels are still high. And it's something people have been talking about forever. Yes, you made Main Street look good. Jefferson looks real good, doesn't it? Jefferson Avenue looks real good. Larned looks real good. There's a lot of development in downtown Detroit, but it never moved the needle on the poverty in the city. And here we are. Here we are. Forget about the homeless population. That's another situation. But the people who live in neighborhoods were... How did you turn the damn water off on people and thought that you were never going to have a public health disaster? It's unbelievable. I have never seen this except in third world countries. I come from one of them. How did you think you could turn off the, the utilities running water on people and not imagine that this epic disaster would happen? How could you put people out of homes and increase the taxes on their property where they could not pay it and then make them have to live in unsafe situations and never saw a public health disaster coming? It's unforeseeable and unbelievable. And here we are with a pandemic that is going to run rife through people. So people get sick right now. Henry Ford Hospital, Henry Ford Health System, one of the largest health systems in Southeast Michigan, in the state actually, they, they say, right? They have eight hospitals in Southeast Michigan alone. Henry Ford Health System is overrun. They have issued a directive to their staff that they're going to start prioritizing people who show up in their, at their emergency room because they don't have the resources, because they recognize that most of the folks who are coming in have underlying health conditions. How on God's green earth are you a city planner? Are you in public policy? Are you in public health and did not see this, this disaster coming from 100 miles away? How could you not see this coming? How could you not see that wherever poverty exists? Did you really study this crap? I want to ask. Did you, all of you who have degrees in public health and public policy, I want to know where you all studied and what content was available to you. Because however, if you really studied this crap, if you really studied what you claim you studied, I am sure there are models that would show that wherever there is endemic poverty, it's rife for disease anywhere in the world. So I want to know, where did you all study? Or you really just are about this game, as my kids would call it. You're about this life of just going in and co collecting a paycheck. And then you go live your life because it's not your problem. Now we have a public health emergency. And I'm afraid it's going to be replicated in Flint, in Saginaw, and in Grand Rapids. Muskegon is up. And Benton Harbor. There are some parts of Benton Harbor, I think. Right? But, but look for it in Flint, South Lansing. It is going to happen. This is a disaster. This was, I agree, this was not created by this governor. She inherited it. But there were decades of democratic leadership among representatives, all these state representatives, all these uh, state senators whom you're all voting in and electing and so on, 
What have they done to move the needle forward? What have they done to move the needle on public services that people must have access to? How is there no infrastructure? How the, you know what, let me stop. How did you turn the water off on people? and didn't see that if people can't wash their hands and they don't have running water in their homes, they're transmitting bacteria as they go and touch others. Every time you're gonna wash your hands, you're gonna grab a bottle of water to wash your hands. How convenient is that gonna be? How about when you have to flush the toilet? You don't have running water to flush the toilet, so chances are you're probably not gonna flush the toilet every time you use it. That's bacteria. How? You all need to make this happen. You all need to hold these people accountable. And there are people who are poor. Just look at abandoned homes around the city. You realize right now a lot of folks are living in abandoned homes. The cops know. But as long as they're not creating crime, nobody's going to bother them because they have to live somewhere. They're human. Right? This was not created by the people. If the people were, were absent in doing anything, is whom they voted for. But this was not created, but this is a public health crisis. And this goes back to decades and decades of city government and state leadership that has been rabid and has been derelict in its duty in the preservation of life and the preservation of public health. And now we have folks who are down on their luck, people who have no recourse. People, Imagine you spent your last dollar taking a bus to go to a store and then you get there and there are no there's no food on the shelves yesterday i was talking to my aunt who lives in new york right she lives in brooklyn and uh she you know my aunt is my aunt so aunt joan is aunt joan right aunt joan is aunt joan right and uh aunt joan is in her late 70s now she looks amazing right you can tell the jeans right and Aunt Joan, she needs her medication. And she says the Walgreens around the corner from a block from her home is, is, is you know, she can't get in because the line to get in every day, they're only letting in 10 people or less. The line to get in is so long. She says, I can't stand out there and wait for it. So she, says, she called them and they said, okay, order it online, but it's going to take two weeks to be delivered by UPS. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Sean, I don't know what to tell you. You might as well just wait for it because it is going to take a while. But Aunt Joan chooses to work because she's like, I can't keep still, right? So she's at, in her late 70s. She's like, I can't keep still, right? So she has always, she's worked all her life, right? What I'm saying is at least she has the ability to, 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 you know, pay for her meds and so on without it costing her and she doesn't have to worry about food she has her own car but you know people in, who live in new york and the roads are and streets are congested you can't even drive anywhere whatever right but here in the city of De so i was telling her what was happening in the city of detroit and she was like my god my god in heaven yes my god in heaven that's where we are that's the point where we are and now we have to lay our petitions before God in heaven because now we have a, the ramifications of this pandemic are not just public health. That is a major disaster and that is going to be problematic for most of us. But we also have a situation where kids, we're talking about our mental health. What's going to happen to all these young folks who come home and can't find a job? 
When this sets in in August, September, October, Christmas approaches, and people don't have jobs, or you have a four-year degree, but you're going to have to work for five hours a day, maybe four hours a day, for $7 or $8 an hour. How are we all going to cope? Well, I'm glad you asked. Right now, one of the coping mechanisms we're going to use is we are going to pray. And we're going to ask that if you can help, help. I know a lot of people, my Aunt Joan was saying the same thing last night. A lot of people went and bought toilet paper that they don't need. A lot of people went and bought stuff they don't need. Can you all just donate some of that stuff? We're going to get back to work in a few. It's going to come back to normal by the end of by July. You can look for it. Yeah, it's going to take a while because the, the, it's going to spread. And after it's done in the north, it's going to go to the southern states. I hope So folks in the southern states, you, you all didn't think it was only our problem, did you? Right? Most people are not going to have a job. Do you realize that? There is going to be some ramifications after this. How are we all going to cope? A lot of folks are not going to have a job. If you worked for industries, just look at it this way. Now we realize how really this economy, my daughter said this yesterday. She said, no, mom, we're seeing how the economy really works. The economy was built on broke people all the time. She said, we all were working paycheck to paycheck. Then we discovered that our bosses, the people who own companies, they were living from paycheck to paycheck too, because if we didn't produce, they couldn't make money. And now that we're not producing, they're not making money. A lot of us who live in, in, in rental situations, you realize now that your rent is your landlord's income. So all this time when your landlord was profiling, he was taking a lot of risk. Now your landlord, the management company that owns <laughs> your apartment building, <laughs> if you don't pay the rent, they'll go bankrupt. So if everybody in the building does not have a problem paying the rent, you realize, oh my God, it's catastrophic. We have to rethink that. So again, there are more people at the bottom and we are the ones who drive the economy. So now you know your power. You've got to change how you use your power after this. Now you know you are the power. You are the power. And you've got to change how you use it. Use your power wisely to make effective, meaningful change. Right? And then of course, how are we going to worship? How are we going to worship? Because you're, you're reading your Facebook timelines and realize people whom you worshipped with have the coronavirus, whom you probably embraced a few weeks ago when you last saw them in church. And now you realize that, wait a minute, right? So now what, right? So the reason I am saying all of this is because I want us I want us to recognize that the real power is making effective meaningful change how the society has ordained it. One fifth of the Detroit Police Department is quarantined. Most of the Detroit police one fifth. They're out of they're they're quarantined because they have had some severe issues. I suspect a similar thing is happening with the Wayne County Sheriffs, right? Uh, in other words, what I'm saying is this is not the time to take matters into your own hands. This is the time to prayerfully and execute the right steps that you need to take, but not now. The change is going to come. 
but the change is not going to come by people who become desperate and start robbing pe people's businesses because they're hungry, because they can't find food and they really need toilet paper. And the baby's crying and really need diapers and baby, and baby formula, but can't find it anywhere because everywhere is closed and you can't get access to it. Now is not the time to go do that change. That's not the change that we want. The change we want is to meet with our civic leaders and say, this has got to change. We don't appreciate this. You have to pay more attention to this and we want change here. You have to change the way this is administered, right? And the third thing we're going to do, we are going to pray because the real true change is going, the Bible says that God has the heart of the king. And if God has the heart of the king, we got to believe that God has the heart of the king, the president, he has the heart of the governor, he has the heart of the mayor, he has the heart of the public health leadership in every county, every city, every state. We've got to believe that. So we're going to pray for God because we need a change. We have to change. Yes, we're going to change that. We're going to have to pray about the kids coming home from college. They're already home and they're going to apply for jobs. And my suggestion for all of you who are graduating college, start right at the bottom. Take what you get till you can get what you want. Right? I know it sounds trite and you're like, I didn't go to college for this. I agree with you. Take what you get till you can get what you want. Right? Apply for jobs. Source, outsource yourself. They may not hire you full-time. And they probably not, don't even want to hire you part-time. They might be telling you they don't have eight hours per day to give you. Take two hours here. Apply somewhere else. Take another two hours there. And work from home. Find a space in your parents' home. Maybe your bedroom becomes a safe space where you can work from in quiet and peace. And start there until things gradually grinds back. We know that the signs are indicative. When GM says it's going to reduce salaries of its salaried workers, you know something is up. Eventually they're going to, because they have to take what is called cost-cutting measures, same, similarly the same thing you're doing. They're taking cost-cutting measures and it is going to impact people. And sadly, it is what it is. But we're gonna pray and believe God that even for our brothers and sisters who are disadvantaged right now, while we are grateful that we're not in that space, but there are people who are severely disadvantaged, who are perhaps writhing in agony on sick beds and can't access care. We're going to pray for them right now. We're going to pray for all those folks I see on my Facebook timeline whose families now have to deal with this. We're going to pray for folks who are sick. One of the worst parts about this virus is that people are dying alone. Once you've been diagnosed, your family can't have access to you. You're out you're, and you are left to die alone. And we're going to pray for the family members who did not get to say goodbye, who were notified, but did not get a chance to say goodbye. We're going to pray for all of us, for those who might have been exposed, who worked at the plants, and who might have been exposed, we're still going to pray for you. And we're going to pray that our minds are at peace in spite of. This is something that is unprecedented. We have never seen this before. We have never walked down this road before. This is the challenge of a generation. This is the challenge of our generation. We probably had it too good. We didn't really have a war to deal with, did we? 
yeah, previous generations had World War One, and they had World War Two, and they had hunger, and they had sandstorms, and all kinds of disasters to deal with, and they had to deal with tyranny, and they had to deal with leaders like Hitler, and they had to recover after World War Two. Previous generations had to fight the strength in times of trouble to stand tall and to deal with stuff. This is our challenge. We thought 9-11 was something. We went back to work within two days. This is our challenge. This is a bigger evil. This is a common enemy, a bacteria that is running right through our communities. And right now what we need is to look up higher. We need to bombard heaven with prayer until God answers. Maybe we weren't praying enough anymore because we were so comfortable. And look at this. We still need to give thanks to the previous generations because they fought so hard that look at us. You know what's required of us through this? They didn't tell us to pick up a gun and go to war. They didn't. They said, stay home on your couch, watch Netflix, chill. That's this legacy and the sacrifices that a previous generation made that this is our only problem, then this too will pass. We're just not accustomed to being uncomfortable and not having what we want when we want it. So we're gonna pray and pray that God hears our prayers and that God will answer from his holy heaven. Yes, we're believing God, we're, I am a Christian. And we're gonna find our faith and get back to basics and believe that God will hear and that God will answer. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, he will hear from heaven. The Bible also says in Proverbs 18 and 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run to it and are safe. The Bible also says he's our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. These are just some of the things that are written in the Bible. They're written as encouragement and inspiration for us to hold on to. So while your family members are sick and in hospitals, in the name of Jesus Christ, Father God, I thank you right now for this moment that we get together. I thank you for everyone experiencing anxiety right now, anxiety about the future, anxiety about jobs, anxiety about our ability to hold on to life as we know it. Father God, I dispel the spirit of fear over my people, over all of us in the name of Jesus. I pray right now for a concerted effort of cooperation amongst our leaders, nationally, at the state level, at the city level. I pray right now for answers, for them to effect change and to effect policies that will bring remedy and relief to the people. And Father God, for those who have families, on the front lines who are worried about your family members, I pray right now for healing hands in the name of Jesus. I pray for those whose family members have gone on. Jesus be a shelter and a provider to us during this time. I pray right now for those of us who are worried about our own health and who are concerned about things. Father God, be a healer to us right now in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that the anxiety will leave us, that you give us peace in spite of, despite the fact that we see a thousand dropping at our side, hallelujah, and 10,000 dropping, Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, that we're gonna hold on in the storm to your unchanging word, that you're going to bring us through the storm. 
And in the name of Jesus, I submit my prayers before you, O God, that you will have mercy on all of us. Be merciful to us, Jesus. When the leaders fail, when the resources fail, O God, we look up to you, O God, and ask you for mercy. And I submit this prayer to you, Jesus, with a heart of gratitude and thanking you in advance for everyone who needs an answer right now. Somebody who doesn't know they worked as a gig economy and they don't know how they're going to pay. Jesus, be an answer right now in the name of Jesus. For somebody whose job is has evaporated, they don't know what they're going to do. They may not be able to make April's rent. They certainly don't know about me. Father God, be a provider in the name of Jesus. For people who have babies, oh God, and can't find diapers and baby food. Lord God Almighty, be a provider. Be a restorer. Be a source of strength and assurance. Send somebody, Jesus, who will buttress up. And for those who can, Jesus, stretch your hearts, stretch your pocketbooks, write checks, give money, make donations to people in need. You can do it. Come on. You have more than enough. Look at the coffers in your home. You have more than enough. You can feed a hundred people. Do it right now in the name of Jesus. You have homes that are locked up. Go open them to take the people in, in the mighty name of Jesus. God will bless you for it in Jesus mighty name. And Father God, I pray for the health workers, for all the doctors, all the nurses in emergency rooms. Bring healing, Lord God. Just, Father God, just put a shield of protection around my people, around the people who don't know how to ask you for help, around people who need your help, Lord God. I just pray right now as I submit my prayers to you in gratitude that you will answer in the mighty name of Jesus. It is so. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, everybody. <laughs> this is Friday. It's an abbreviated version of our show. I just want to leave you with encouragement that despite all of this, we're going to get through on the other side and we're going to get through this together. But I need you to hang in there with me. I need you to be on your timelines. I need you to check in every day and you're going to get through this. Even if you feel like you're experiencing symptoms, I need you to pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that God is a healer, that God will keep you, and He's going to keep all of us. I need you to pray so you're at peace. Don't worry about the bills. Don't sit and meditate on them. God is going to give you the solution and the answer. There are help and there are resources out there that can help you, and trust me, we're going to get through this together. We're going to get through this like we are. We are a family. We are one. Look at me. We are all one. From the pit to the palace, we are one. This virus is no respect to our persons. Prince Charles has it. The British Prime Minister has it. This per It's no respecter of persons. But what it is, is that we all need help. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much, everybody. This is Harry Kimmick with down to earth. Make sure you join me on Sunday morning. We're going to talk some more about faith and how we're going to get through this using our faith. I want to thank you for being part of my audience this morning. Thank you so much. God bless you all. I'll see you on Sunday morning. Be blessed, everybody. Aha. Thank you so much, everyone. Be blessed. Hey, Facebook.